Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest was a pastor for a few years in Richmond, British Columbia. He's now an entertainment world chaplain. That's a pastor to people in the entertainment industry. But he wasn't always following Jesus. In fact, it was in prison, but he met Jesus. He wound up in prison after becoming involved in a high-profile kidnapping. It's an amazing redemption story, and today Bosco Poon will share it with us. Bosco Poon was an aspiring Canadian recording artist when he became involved in some criminal activity that landed up with a 12-year prison sentence. Bosco, tell us a little bit about your life leading up to this. Absolutely. So I was born in Hong Kong, and I came to Canada when I was 12 years old. And uh, when I first came to Canada, I, like a lot of immigrants, I spent the first few years to try to adapt to this whole new culture. Now, you see, my, my mother tongue is Cantonese. And and as you can imagine, coming to a place that only speaks English and maybe French back at the time, um, I had a hard time sort of adapting to this whole culture. Um, a, lot, a lot of people might understand this. When an immigrant comes to a new place, learning a new language, um, there are a lot of obstacles, right? Um, I might not, people like myself might not be able to fully express ourselves in in, in, in a whole new language. Now, that doesn't mean that we're stupid. doesn't mean that we are we don't understand things. You know what I mean? So at, at, at school, I, I faced a lot of difficulty with blending in with the, with the people here. Um, I got bullied here and there. Um, people call me stupid, call me names. But maybe in my heart, I, I knew that I, I, I wasn't stupid. It, it, it's just that I need to learn how to use a proper vocabulary to communicate what I really want to say. So that took a few years. And um, so long story short, um, as I um, graduated into high school, um, my English started to get a little bit better. In in the ESL class, I met some new friends, uh, also from Hong Kong. Uh, some of these friends are, no, they were... Um, Kind of like you know, introduce me to a new world, like um, partying, you know, underground party. Started to try out different things like smoking, um, drinking alcohol, and later on, weed and even ecstasy. So that took me to a new route of lifestyle that I never knew before. Uh, I used to be a straight A student, like I, I was on the honor road all the way up to grade eleven. Uh, when I met his friends, and of course, after I go, started going partying a lot, I stopped studying, and my marks just went south. My parents were really worried about my, uh, my my future and whatnot. So I started. I, I kept the the, the partying uh, lifestyle for for a good year and a half, two years, up up till my graduation from high school. Um, make the story really short because we have a limited time here. Um, I. At the end of, uh, of that two years, I, I remember I, I was in a rave party. I was standing in the dance floor looking up at the DJs, and I didn't take anything that day. Uh, I, I was sober. I didn't know why, but I, I just didn't feel the, the need to, you know, to, to get myself hard that day. So I just was, it was my first sober party. And, and as I was standing in the midst of that dance floor, took a 360 to look at all these people around me, and I, they all look like zombies. 
develop their own minds, just looking up at the DJs like a bunch of robots, just keep dancing and dancing. And and I thought to myself, wow, was I like them for the past two years? And wow, I, it just opened up my eyes, and I, and I didn't want to be like that no more. So I, I slowly quitted the that kind of lifestyle, and um, and and I found a new passion in, in my life. I really loved hip hop music back then, when in, in my teenage, and back at that time there weren't any, if there were any, there there, there weren't any good Chinese rapper back then, and I just started to study it myself. I started to study the the Western rap. Culture and I learned from different artists like Eminem and Kanye West back in the days and Jay Z and all these kind of big name rappers. I learned from their skills and and then translated into Chinese and 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 I started to develop that myself. And about two years later, I started to get signed by um, record labels in Taiwan. So I was on my road to to becoming a recording artist. I later on formed my own band. My hip hop crew, my own little hip hop band in Vancouver, and then we later on we got signed by EMI Music Taiwan, and and right before we we were going to head off to Taipei to sign a contract and release our first album, um, something crazy happened. Very crazy happened. Remember I told you about um, the gang, the people that that I you know the, the people that you know brought me to the the, the underworld scene. Yeah. So some of them were gang members. So, so long story short, I, I had to move from uh, from Coquitlam, which is a city that is 45 to an hour away from the, the, the Vancouver airport. I've been moved from there with my family to, to a new place that is closer to the airport because they, they would be closer to my new career um, and whatnot. So the housing in Coquitlam was on sale. My gangster friends, they they, they, they went bored for a few days. Um, and then later on, it turned out to be a kidnapping incident. They they, they, they placed the victim in, in in the basement of that house in Coquitlam that we were pretty old for sale. So, um, and some of these things, we can find it on internet and, and police reports. So I'm just trying to make it shorter. <laughs> so it's so long. So at the end of the day, I... I I entered into a very long trial, two and a half years. Actually, it was two years and ten months to be exact. Um, extorted a lot of money for my, uh, my my family. Matter of fact, I used up all their retirement funds um, to fight for my case. Some of uh, some of the the people that were involved they pled guilty, even even came up to the witness stand to to stand against me. With all that coming together, at the end, I was convicted. Uh, with the crime, and, and received a 12-year sentence. And that was when my my journey to, to to the prison began. Tell us a little bit about that. Actually, before you go mm. into the prison part, your family, yeah. I know in the Chinese culture, uh, the children yeah. and, and what they do in their mm. life is so important. Oh, absolutely. So how was your family, like, what was the family connection like during all of this when this was all <laughs> happening? Right, um... I, I am the only child. So, like, as you said, like, honor in the Chinese culture, actually it's, it's in, in the Asian culture, is, is, is very important to the family. So 
ever since I got into the trial, oh my gosh, like I brought so much shame and guilt and pain to the family. Um, however, because I'm the only child, my, my mom and dad, they just, they love me so much. They, just, they, they were there to support me unconditionally. Um, using up their whole retirement fund to, to help me get a supposedly good lawyer to fight for the case is, is, is the proof of their love, in, in a sense. But man, those, those are some hard, those are some really hard days, very difficult time for my family to, to, to have to go through um, the two years and 10 months trial, like almost every day. As you can imagine, that's pretty exhausting um, in many sense. Yeah. But through it all, they stood by you and they still showed you that they loved you. <laughs> They did, yeah, they did. So tell me then, what happened once you were convicted and you you ended up going to jail? What was that experience like? <laughs> um, and that that was that was a whole different story. Like the life behind bars is like you know I I, I watched movie before I I watched TV episodes before like Prison Breaks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and that 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 was the only like. Um, knowledge that I had with prison until I literally being convicted as, uh, as a prisoner and placed within a, a prison system within Canada. Everything changed. Everything changed. The, the first thing I noticed was freedom that we take it for granted when we have it outside. This one is one that once that was taken away from me, man, I, I had no idea how much privilege we have. No matter how rich or even how poor we are in the outside world once we take away that freedom we man we 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 almost lose our very own dignity you know what i mean you cannot call whoever you want i cannot just go to 7-eleven to to to, to get a uh, a bag of chips or, or go to a starbucks to get a coffee you just don't have that privilege and freedom no more and everything that you want to do such as i want to call my parents I have to put in a request form. Like everything has to ask for permission, and I had to get used to the answer no. That's a crazy thing, especially for today's people. Like we expect everyone to say yes to us, mm-hmm. but no, no, no. In prison, like I had to get used to the mentality that I have to accept that the answer, or most of the time, the answer would be no. <laughs> and 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 man, that that was not only an eye opener; it was totally reconstructed. Everything that I know about life, uh, being in prison, yeah. And it was in prison, really, that uh, you found Jesus. Tell us about yes. how that happened. Okay. Oh, in, in my loneliest moment, I remember uh, after six months of being in prison, and, and right on the first day of my birthday, not the first day, or right on the, yeah, my, my first birthday in prison, is, is, is what I supposed to be. Um, I find out my, my girlfriend at the time was cheating on me. So that was my, my first birthday gift in prison. And, and, and she was kind of like, I mean, that relationship was kind of like the, the, the only thing that I was still holding on to from the outside world, besides my parents, of course. Because my, my career was gone. Um, I, I was in debt of a lot of money the lawyer's fee and, and all that kind of stuff. Freedom was gone, like, you know, all that. And now this relationship that I hold on so tight to or is also, like, you know, vanished right before me. Uh, I got into a very deep depression. I I didn't know what to 
look forward to anymore because there's absolutely nothing for me to look forward to with a 12-year sentence. Uh, so I, I started not to see anyone. I just locked myself up in the, in my own prison cell. I had a roommate at, at the time. I just locked myself up at the up, upper bunk and didn't eat, didn't want to do anything because there's just no hope for me. And then, and then some 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 brothers from from the prison chapel started to knock on my door and check up on me, and um, they dragged me out of my bed and you know told me to to grab something to eat or took me to the chapel and pray for me. Even though at the first glance that doesn't mean a lot, but then that actually helped me to open up my heart to 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 God, so to speak. So there was this one day I remember so clearly. I uh, a few months later, I, I finally got my single cell, meaning I, I don't have a roommate no more. So right in in my cell, I I was very lonely and and, and I lost everything. I remember probably I lost my appeal as well. So like everything was gone, right? All the hope was gone, mm-hmm. um, in a sense. And I and I was trying to read the Bible. And then I remember I landed on the very last chapter of Matthew, where Jesus said, "I'm always with you to the end of the age." And when I read that, it it I got very emotional because that didn't make sense to me. So I cried out loud to God uh, in myself. I said, "I cannot see you, I cannot feel you, I cannot hear you, and I cannot touch you. You said that you're right here with me to the end of the age." I mean, that is impossible. And I throw the Bible onto my bed, and then I sat on the floor, and I just keep on crying and crying. And then I said to him, but if what you said is real, come talk to me, because I have nobody else. And a few weeks after that (laughs) prayer, um, during an evening prayer time, just going to give you the short version of it, um, I saw a very gray light coming up from the sky. And then the, the light came right before me. And then later on, the light entered into my body. And then my whole body just, you know, just got a little bit, not a lot, but just a little bit electrified in a sense. Didn't know what it was. I was very scared. But right after the light entered into my body, I, I had a sense of peace, a peace that I have never, ever experienced ever in my life. And then I heard a voice very peacefully said to me that I am your Lord. Don't be afraid. I am your Lord, and I will rescue you. And after I heard that, I just believed it. I believed it, and then the, 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 I felt there is an, an arm, so to speak, wrapped around me. And I felt so peaceful, and then it disappeared. So... Coming out from that experience, uh, I, I I was first I was completely shocked. I don't I didn't know what it was. Because my secondly, I I did not know how to respond to that. But ever since that experience, something changed. I never get one day knocked off from my prison sentence. But ever since that day, I, I my spiritual eyes was open, and I was willing to learn and become a servant. God, I, I started to do a lot of Bible study. I went to a lot of different like Alpha course and anything to do with religion. I studied a lot of re, uh, religious books and, and the Bible, of course. And then later on, um, took some correspondence Bible college courses. 
and and finished up a a, a peer counseling course in prison, and and then became an inmate peer counselor, starting to help out the inmates within prison, and that's how our ministry started to 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 take form, so to speak. Wow. Uh, what was your faith like before all of this? Did you have much of a faith life, or is it through prison that you really truly found that? Okay. Um, I was born as a Catholic. Um, so when I was in Hong Kong, I would go to church with my mom and dad, so to speak. But ever since we came to Canada, uh, when I was 12 years old, because of a lot of stuff, right? I mean, we changed to a whole new place, whole new culture, and we didn't go to church no more. And, and and in my teenage, my belief system was highly tainted by the secular world. Um, so I, so Christian faith or Catholic faith to me was just a thing that I grew up with. So I wasn't a practicing Christian. Um, but through prison, of course, <laughs> um, uh, somehow it got reignited again, and and all this happened and. That's amazing. And you eventually mm-hmm. ended up um, getting out of, of jail early, and then yes. now you've taken your entire experience, you've put it into mm-hmm. a, a book. Can you tell us why you decided to do that? <laughs> Absolutely. So after serving a little bit over four years in prison, as I mentioned before, I was the inmate peer counselor and, of course, an evangelist in, in the prison chapel as well. So together with some of my, my brothers in, in the prison chapel, we reach out to inmates on a daily basis because we we don't have a lot of things to do and that was our focus so those years for me was like a boost camp for my spiritual growth i was growing so fast in the in in, in a speed that i i was when i look back at it myself today i i was thinking man but the, the, those growing speed was was really like Amazing, like like I won't be able to go that fast. Even though if I am a practicing Christian out here, because I was so focused into growing that, um, the, the major sharp focus in prison. So I got to experience how to do God's work, reach out to people, evangelizing, and, and all that on a daily basis in, in prison. Um, so after serving in, in there for a little bit over four years, my my institutional parole officer said that, hey, um, your record is. It's clean, it's good, it's a model example for many people to follow. So why don't you give you, help you to, to get a shot at getting an early day parole? So we did that. Went back up to the parole board and, you know, went through all the proper procedures and whatnot. And, and of course, my institutional record shows that what I was doing was, was legit. So I got my an early day parole. Um, I believe I, I came back out on the very last, Days of November in 2010. So I came back out, living in a halfway house for a year and a half. I came back out, and and hey, I, I had some hard time trying to adapt back to the outside world as well, because I didn't have anything. Um, but I, I just want I just wanted to serve God, and so I started to serve at different churches, starting to write gospel music, um, uh, with some rappings in there. I started to share my testimony at schools, churches. And even different social events and whatnot. So long story short, I was even I I became an urban missionary for three years, and then later on, about five years ago, I became a a youth and and young adult pastor. And three years ago, I became the the lead pastor of of a church that I'm pastoring right now, um, in Richmond, BC. Um, 
why did I wrote a book? Um, that's a great question because I didn't want to, to be honest with you. <laughs> I used to be a rapper, so I, I so essay, right? <laughs> Writing paragraph and then rapper, it's kind of like they don't mix together because we sacrifice grammar for rhyme. You know, yes. <laughs> so, so writing a book was like was like my, my, my worst nemesis. I was like, no, I don't want to write a book. So what happened was, was six years ago, I I was already having a little bit of of, of exposure, going to uh, different radio station, maybe some local TV station and, 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 and newspaper to share about, about my life testimony. No matter they 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 are, they are a religious program or not, I just want to use my story to you know to help people to know there's hope even in prison and, and all that kind of stuff. So, but, but as you can imagine, like today, we, I only have 15 minutes or sometimes even worse, like five minutes to tell my story. So there's a lot of details I couldn't, you know, really tell my audience. Uh, and for nine months, for nine months, wherever I go, uh, people ask me, so why did you write a book about your life? Why did, at first, my, my, my answer was like, no way, absolutely, no way, I'm not going to write a book. It's, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just going to tell it to you. After nine months of having different people from different nationalities to tell me, why do you write a book? Why do you write a book? So there, there, there was this one day I was sitting on in front of my computer and I was doing a prayer. And then I felt like maybe this is a sign from God. You know, um, I didn't want to do this, but it's not about my preference. With my walk with Jesus, I find that it, it is more important to have faith and to be obedient. So I prayed and, and and I sensed God's presence with me, and, 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 and I felt like he was really asking me to write my story. So that's how I began my <laughs> writing my story. So I, I used five years to, to, to finish off writing my story, so to speak, um, because during those five years, I became a pastor, and I was a pastor in a church, and there's a lot of work, so I could, I could only use a, a little bit of, of my spare time to work on it um, um, well, every week. So, so in five years of making... And then last year, my manuscript won the the, 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 the best uh, Can, uh, Canadian New Manuscript Award uh, in 2019. And finally, the book is, is now available. Uh, I'm working with my uh, publication uh, relentlessly for, for, for the past six months, and the book is now available. It's titled Risen from Prison and Beyond My Wildest Imagination. So there's 21 chapters of, 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 of my stories. And uh, the first nine chapters, um, if anyone is going to read it, uh, it's very emotional, it's dramatic in many sense, um, and in, in, in some pages it might even seem hopeless. But read on, because the turning point is at chapter 10, when I first met Jesus in a very tangible way, and, and everything else became, wow, like miracles after miracles. And it's, yeah, that, 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 that's the reason I, why I wrote the book, and and make it available to, to, to people so that I, I hope that it can somehow inspire others with, with their relationship with Christ and, and the vision, okay? I have to talk about this. So one, one of the big vision for this book is I really want to make it available, if possible, in every single prison within Canada. But the reason is because there's a lot of famous authors from the States, from, from UK, that write about prison and whatnot. And there are a lot, a lot of stories, even miracle stories in prison in, in some of the, the, the different countries in the world, like the state and uh, Mexico or even China. But I want my fellow uh, Canadian brothers and sisters in prison to know that even in the very soil of Canada, God is still there. 
and, and I'm a living testimony of that. Now, I don't know how to make that happen myself because every single prison in Canada is a pretty big ground to, to cover. But I believe by faith and God's timing, and if it is his will, um, I, I, I'm hopeful that it will happen one day. Tell us a little bit more about what you're up to now. You're, you're leaving for Hong Kong. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your future? Yes, yes. Um, so my 12-year my sentence just completely finished in November 2018. So 2019 was the, the first year <laughs> uh, I, I, I can travel again. So first thing first, I, 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 I booked a ticket to Hong Kong um, early last, last year to visit my grandma and some relatives in Hong Kong. When I was there, God just supernaturally opened up. My goodness, I don't, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It, it. He opened up so many ministry doors uh, in Hong Kong for, for my ministry. I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for a new job. I didn't even send one resume. But then Hong, uh, there, there, but then some people knew that I, I was back to Hong Kong and started booking me up for radio interviews and, and, and asked me to go to different schools to share my stories and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I even got invitation to some private um, Christian group within the entertainment industry for me to share my stories and to speak into their life. And long story short, um, I got a job offer about six months ago to become the entertainment world or entertainment industry chaplain in Hong Kong to, to help people in the entertainment industry to, to know first and foremost, know Jesus, and secondly, to become disciples of Jesus and use their influence to spread the gospel within the, 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 a, the Asia region. This place needs Jesus. This place needs the hope of Christ. And I've been to prison, and God was there with me through the darkest valley of death, and I'm still standing here. So I believe I had a calling to bring the gospel back to my birthplace. So I came back to Vancouver. I talked to my board. I talked to my mentors. I talked to my denomination. I talked to my family, of course. So after six months of discerning and praying and fasting even, um, I sense that God wants me to, yeah, go and do something there. So I, yeah, that's why I'm going to Hong Kong. Awesome. For people who want to learn more about you or <laughs> want to learn yeah. more about your book, how do they go about doing that? Right. Okay. So I do have a Facebook page and an, and, and an Instagram page. Um, you can just type in B-O-Z page, P-A-G-E. So B-O-Z P-A-G-E. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram. And then the book... Um, it's called Reason from Prison, and you, and I use my legal name, Bosco Poon, uh, for my book. If you search that on Amazon, it's, it's up there now. Uh, it's up there on Amazon Canada and Amazon uh, US. And I believe uh, my publication is, is, is working their way to make it available at more uh, bookstores uh, across North America and, and, and beyond as well. And one last question um, for listeners that may be going through what you went through early on in life. They're new to the country. They're struggling. They're really just, they don't know what to do. What would you say to them to maybe prevent them from going down the path um, that you yeah. went down? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say um, the first thing that I would like to say would be um, just to know that God loves you. Like Jesus loves you so much. And a good place to start to, to learn about that love is a Bible-believing church. 
kind of Bible-believing church. Meet some people there, talk to the pastors, talk to the leaders. Um, yeah, just to find good friends within a good fellowship. Because um, the Bible tells us, hey, bad, uh, bad company corrupts good character. So surround ourselves with good company, godly company. It's going to help us develop good character. And there's always hope in God. So I, I would say just find God and, and just seek Him, and, and He will be found by you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. What an amazing story. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, Connections with Colleen Hood and Mike Tom. You can find that podcast at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. We'll talk to you again on Connections.